you have your copy of the scriptures, let me invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew and to the sixth chapter. And this is going to be a very familiar passage, no doubt, uh, to you, as it is a record of Christ uh, teaching the prayer that we sometimes call the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer. And we're going to look to this uh, passage of scripture as we approach the question. How should I pray? We're going to read from Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Let me invite you as you're able to stand in honor of the reading and the hearing of God's word. Again, I'm reading from Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9, uh, wherein the Apostle Matthew faithfully records uh, these words of our Lord. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. May God bless today the reading and the hearing of his word, and let us join together in prayer. Lord, as we contemplate, meditate today on the spiritual discipline of prayer, and as we meditate upon Christ's teachings on prayer, the prayers of others that are recorded within the scriptures, uh, open our eyes, allow us to see what is true and to embrace it. We ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. And you may be seated. So today we want to continue on the theme of prayer in the life of Christ. And so last week we were looking at Christ as a man of prayer. And in this message, we want to ask the question again, how should I pray? And we saw last time when we were looking at the prayer life of Christ, especially as it's presented in the Gospel of Luke, That even on the cross, Christ was praying. And that that final prayer of Luke 23, verse 46, when Christ said, quoting Psalm 31, 5, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, provides an example for us of how we can use the words of Scripture to give voice to our own prayers. So when someone asks, how do I pray? How do I begin to pray? I'm not praying. Um, One of the the, the replies that might be made is to listen to the scriptures and use the prayers of scripture, use the teachings in scripture about prayer as a good starting point. And again, Christ is on the cross. He takes Psalm 31, 5, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Last time we looked at Christ as a model uh, for a man of prayer. We drew upon the gospel of Luke. And for this afternoon, to answer the question, how should I pray? Uh, We want to primarily focus on the gospel of Matthew. And I want to look at two things. First of all, I want to look at a few places that we see in Matthew, one place in Mark, where we can notice the petitions or prayers that were addressed to Christ. When people cried out to Christ um, as Christ, as true God, true man, uh, there were times in his earthly ministry when men cried out to him. They were crying out to him as a man, but 
Also, because he's true God, uh, we could take some of these statements made to him as petitions uh, that are being addressed to him as God. Um, Secondly, then I want to look briefly at Christ's model prayer, which is a kind of prayer template that we see in the Sermon on the Mount that we read from Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. So if we can do those two things, look at some of the petitions or prayers that were offered to Christ, and then look, secondly, at Christ's teaching on prayer. So let's begin by looking at a couple of the petitions that were addressed to Christ. And so the first of those uh, that I want to look at is in Matthew chapter 8, and it's the, the, the prayer or the petition that was made by the disciples when they were in the boat with Christ on the Sea of Galilee. And so if you're in uh, Matthew chapter 8, um, this is introduced in verse 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And then look at verse 25. This is where we have the petition. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And this would be an example of a place when we're reading the scriptures devotionally where we might find a petition that's offered unto Christ. And this might be something that might help us in our own prayer life. Lord, save us, we perish. And... Uh, This is a a very similar type of prayer is also recorded on the lips of Peter. If you turn over and look in Matthew chapter 14, when Peter had stepped out on the waves and was trying to walk on the waves uh, as Christ had walked on the waves. And uh, there came a a storm uh, as as Peter was walking, it says in verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And so the petition of the disciples, Lord, save us, we perish. The petition of Peter here in Matthew 14, Lord, save me. On one hand, these are the cries of every unregenerate, every unsaved man. When he comes uh, before the Lord and he He understands the limits of who he is when he begins to understand the weight of his own sin, uh, when he understands the greatness of God and the the vast uh, chasm that exists between himself and and his sinfulness and God and his holiness. What can he do but cry out, Lord, save us, we perish, or Lord, save me. And then this is also, though, the cry of, Uh, of those who are already believers, maybe as they go through a difficult time in their lives, uh, difficulties in family, difficulties in work, difficulties in the home, difficulties with their health, they might take these petitions and direct them towards Christ. Lord, save us, we perish. Lord, save me. And the words here recall the words of David in Psalm 34, 6, when he said, this poor man cried, And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. A second example of a petition uh, that we see uh, where someone addresses Christ would be the the blind men who come to Christ. Look at at Matthew chapter 9 
verses 27 through 31. It's interesting because this is, this is relatively early in Christ's ministry. And there are two times are recorded in Matthew's gospel where two blind men come to him. One at the beginning of his ministry, one at sort of the end of his public ministry. This is the one at the beginning of his public ministry. And if you look at verse 27 of Matthew 9, it says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. That's a petition, isn't it? Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And uh, we can look, uh, I said, at the, uh, a little bit later in Matthew's gospel where uh, we find something very similar. Look at, over at Matthew chapter 20. Matthew 20, beginning in verse 30. It says, And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they had heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And in this case, the multitude tries to quiet them down, and they cry out all the more, according to verse 31, O Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And then uh, when Christ says to them, what will you, what do you want that I should do to you? And notice their answer in verse 33, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. And once again, this could be the prayer of every unregenerate man. We're spiritually blind. And uh, maybe God has begun that work of awakening us to the truth of the gospel. And the cry of every unregenerate man is, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. But also, again, during a time of the Christian, during a time of a trial or struggle, might be able to take these words onto his own lips or her own lips and make these to be part of his or her prayer to God. Finally, I want to go outside of Matthew for just a moment to Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 29. And this is a petition or a prayer that is recorded, someone beckoning unto Christ. And on this occasion, it is a man who had a distressed son, a son who had been made dumb and distressed because of spiritual oppression. And this is just after uh, Peter had declared in Mark chapter 8 at Caesarea Philippi, uh, Thou art the Christ. And then they had gone to the Mount of Transfiguration. And while Christ had been on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, this man had brought his son to uh, Christ's disciples, and they had, they had not been able uh, to help this man. And then um, Christ begins to, to speak with him. And in verse 22, the man says, But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Would there be times in your life when you might be able to form that on your lips as a petition in prayer? If thou canst do anything, O God, for me, O Christ, for me, have compassion on us. And help us. And uh, Christ had answered, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And then the father famously replies uh, through tears. And he says in verse 24, Lord, 
I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Can you imagine someone who maybe is burdened down with lack of assurance or doubts about different doctrines, um, uncertainties about their own path? Uh, What a wonderful petition to put on our lips as we come before God in prayer, as as we come before Christ pleading with him. And we say unto him, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And so one of the, if you ask, how can I pray? One suggestion would be to glean through the scriptures as you read and look for these petitions and then make them your own. Uh, they're, they're given sanction within the scriptures themselves. Then secondly, I would say we can, to learn how to pray, we can Give attendance to Christ's teaching, Christ's explicit teaching on prayer. And so with this, I want to turn and spend the rest of our time just looking briefly at uh, what we know as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And I think a couple of times in the course of the ministry here at CRBC, we've done series. I think I've done series on each one of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer. So you can find online much more detailed teachings about the Lord's Prayer. And we just went through it in our um, study uh, through the Gospel of Matthew. But I want to spend just a a few moments devotionally, maybe more devotionally, looking and seeing what we can glean here to answer the question, how should I pray? In the old colonial era Anglican churches here in Virginia, uh, if you went in and go into some of those old churches like uh, the Bruton Parish Church, which is in Williamsburg, uh, you can find that they would, would post up front and uh, on either side of the pulpit, usually a couple of tablets. And they would place on those tablets three things. Uh, they would place there, first of all, the Apostles' Creed. And then secondly, they would place the Ten Commandments. And then finally, they would put the Lord's Prayer. And uh, there, there was some wisdom in that, because maybe if as a believer you were to commit to your memory and to your repetition those three things, you would be well served uh, for spiritual uh, steadfastness and growth in Christ, holding to the basics uh, expressed in the Apostles' Creed, knowing the moral law of God and the Ten Commandments, and knowing how to pray which is, I think, the first part of worship, both private and public. Uh, We noted uh, last Sunday, we were looking again at Luke's gospel, and we noted in Luke 11, verse 1, how the disciples came to Christ and they said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John the Baptist taught his disciples. And on that occasion, Christ had taught a version of what we sometimes call the Lord's Prayer. And I pointed out that Christ probably taught this this template or this outline of prayer many times on many different occasions. Luke 11 records one example of it, and Matthew records another example uh, when Christ gave this teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. We we tend to know much better the, the one that's here in Matthew 6 than the one that's in Luke chapter 11. And this is the one that's come to be used more frequently and particularly liturgically in in the course of the the worship services of God's people. And so 
um, we want to take a few moments and look at this. If you look at Matthew uh, chapter 6, you might remember from when we surveyed this chapter in our exposition of the Gospel of Matthew, that the teaching here that we know as the Lord's Prayer comes in a context where Christ is teaching about three spiritual disciplines. He, first of all, in Matthew 6, teaches in verses 1 through 8 about the giving of alms to the poor, giving gifts to the poor. And so he says uh, in verse 1, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, uh, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. And then verse 2, he says, Therefore, when thou doest alms, and so there was an expectation that it's part of the Christian life and a spiritual discipline to take what God has given to us and give it to, to meet the needs of the poor and of the needy. We should give to support the work of our, the ministry in our church, but we should also be ready and able to give above and beyond to help meet the material needs of the poor, particularly the poor uh, brethren within our own church. And then secondly, then Christ teaches about prayer. And this uh, starts, actually I said through verse 8, it's in verse 5 that he begins to teach about prayer. So verses 1 through 4 about almsgiving. Verse 5, it says, and when thou prayest, so then there's expectation that prayer is a normal part of the Christian life. And then likewise, verse 16 about fasting. Moreover, when ye fast. And so there's, there's, these are basic spiritual disciplines. And of course, in the center of these, the teaching on these three spiritual disciplines is the extended teaching that we see here about prayer. And in all these spiritual disciplines, Christ in particular, warns against hypocrisy, praying to be seen by men, giving alms to be seen by men, fasting so that you muffle up your hair and make your face dirty so that people say, oh, you're fasting? You must be very spiritual. And so there's an emphasis on not doing these things to be seen by men. Um, but again, most of the attention is given to prayer because I think it is the first part of worship, both private and public. And you might remember that when I taught on this, when we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount, I noted that some have called the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, the compositional center of the entire Sermon on the Mount. There are about as many verses in front of the teaching of, of the Lord's Prayer as there are verses that come after it. So it's, it's literally right at the center of, of Matthew chapter chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And it shows us uh, the importance of prayer. And now when we look at the Lord's Prayer, uh, we shouldn't think that it's merely meant to be repeated by rote, by rote memory. Although reciting scripture is always profitable. But as the introduction the instruction that Christ gives us tells us in verse 9, it's meant again to be a template, an outline to teach us how to pray. After this manner, therefore pray ye. In this way, after this manner, following this model, following this template. And so uh, might I suggest that there are three parts to this model prayer. 
First of all, in verse 9, we are taught that we must address God the Father who is in heaven and holy. Secondly, in verses 10 through the first half of verse 13, we are taught that petitions are to be made to God the Father. And then thirdly, in the second half of verse 13, the passage we sometimes call the doxology, we are taught that we are to praise God the Father. And might I suggest that's the model for prayer. First, we address God. Second, we offer petitions. Third, we offer praise. And so we can follow that basic outline. Let's look at each one of these briefly. It starts off with verse 9, that we are to address God as our Father in heaven and holy. And so uh, Christ says, after this manner, therefore pray ye, verse 9, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. Now, there is one God who is three persons. He is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity. And the three persons of God are the same in essence, equal in power and glory. And Christ taught consistently in his own practice of prayer that prayer was to be addressed to the Father. So when you bow your head to pray or kneel down to pray and you put words to your prayer, Christ taught us that we should begin by addressing God as Father. He gave us an example of this. Remember we were talking last time when he was on the cross in Luke 23. In Luke 23, 34, at the beginning of his crucifixion, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then at the end, after he had fulfilled his cross work in Luke 23, 46, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Both times addressing the Father. So Christ taught us, how should we pray? Address God as Father. He is our heavenly Father. And then uh, this reminds us also, it's our Father who is in heaven. He is ruling over all things. And then he says, hallowed or holy be thy name. His name is holy. He is set apart. He is other than us, yet he cares for us. I cited already this morning from Isaiah 6, verse 3, where the seraphim cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. So the first part of our prayer is to address God as Father who is in heaven and who is holy. second part of our prayer is that we offer petitions. And there are at least five petitions that are offered here in verse 10 down through the beginning of verse 13. And so... uh, When we offer petitions, that is, we're making requests of God. So we don't start with these. We start with addressing God and addressing his sovereignty, addressing his holiness. But then we we do make requests. Just as a beloved child may ask a loving parent to satisfy his needs, so every son of God may come before his heavenly Father to make his needs known unto him, expecting that he will give with wisdom and generosity. And Christ himself said that if a human father knows how to take care of the needs of his children, 
How much more does our Heavenly Father take care of those who are His own? And so briefly, here are the five petitions. In in verse 10, uh, Christ said we should pray, Thy kingdom come. This is a prayer for the rule and the reign of God to be made manifest. And this reminds us that prayer is more than help me with this physical ailment or help me with this financial need. That at the top of our list is praying for the expansion of the kingdom of God. Praying for the faithful preaching of the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. Begin, offer petitions, asking first for the increase of the kingdom. Secondly, in verse 10, Christ says to God the Father, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Think about Christ's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane as he knew that the cup of suffering was ahead of him going to the cross. And yet he said to the Father, Not my will be done, but thine, thy will be done. James taught that we ought ever to be mindful of the Lord's will. In James 4, James said in verse, uh, chapter 4 and verse 13, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And so the Christian is always in his common speech saying, well, if the Lord wills, I will be there. I will do this. And this, this also gets worked into our prayer life as, we're, as we pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I have an acquaintance, uh, a lady I know, and I, I, this is sort of in my speech often. I'll say, well, if the Lord wills, and this, that, and the other. And she said, you sound like a Muslim. I said, well, I'm not a Muslim. I'm a Christian. But I believe in, in the will of God. And I believe that, that our wills are uh, the servants of his will. And so um, we had a, it was an interesting little opportunity to talk with her about the difference between what a, what a Muslim thinks about Uh, the will of God and what a Christian believes. Uh, Another petition comes to us, a third in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. This is an acknowledgement, as David puts it in Psalm 24, 1, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all they that dwell therein. This is why it's common for Christians to pray before they eat a meal, just to be reminded that it is God who has supplied the very uh, physical food that is before them. God has provided for their sustenance. And as James also put it in James 1.17, we should remember that every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Fourthly, in verse 12, Christ teaches his disciples to pray and forgive us our debts As we forgive our debtors. Prayer involves the confession of our sin. And seeking the Father's forgiveness. Even as we resolve to seek reconciliation 
with those who have sinned against us by forgiving them. In James 5.16, James taught, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. And later on here in the teaching on prayer, if you look at Matthew 6 verses 14 and 15, Christ said, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a chilling statement. Are you holding a grudge against someone? Do you have bitterness in your heart against someone? How would it be if you failed to forgive that person and the Father treated you with the same measure with which you treated that person? And so we are to confess our faults. We are to uh, ask for forgiveness. We are to forgive those who have sinned against us. And then in verse 13, we have uh, first half of verse 13, the fifth and final petition. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a plea for spiritual help in resisting temptation. Are you tempted to despair? Are you tempted to outbursts of anger? Are you tempted to lust? Are you tempted to envy? The prayer of the Christian is, Oh, Father, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. James, again, is helpful in James 4, 7. He wrote, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Three parts of prayer. First, we address God, the Father in heaven, who is holy. Secondly, we offer petitions. And then the third and final part of prayer, we could say for this prayer outline that Christ gives, we offer praise to God, the Father. And here it is in verse 13, what we call the doxology. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Prayer, Christ teaches, begins with worship of the Father. Hallowed be thy name. And it ends with worship of the Father. As the petition here at the end or the the doxology, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. To God be the glory. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. And prayer, Christ teaches, properly ends with the statement, Amen. Let it be so. Let it be so. Begins addressing God as Father. Ends with Amen. Let it be so. So friends, We've looked through some of these passages. We're back to our original question. How do I pray? Well, we can use the examples of prayer. And we can use the teaching of prayer in the scriptures. We can begin with the model prayer of Christ. And follow that threefold pattern. Address, petition, praise. Address, Petition, praise. I just thought of app. There you have it. It's a prayer app. Address, petition, praise. If you struggle with what you should ask for, look at some of the scriptural models. Look at the five petitions that are there in the model prayer. And then also look beyond that at the petitions that were made of Christ. Do you need to petition him? Lord, 
save us, we perish. Or Lord, save us. Or thou Son of God, have mercy upon us. Or Lord, open our eyes. Or Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. May the Lord Jesus Christ teach us to pray. And may he continue in faithfulness to hear and answer our prayers according to his all-benevolent will and his all-wise counsel. Amen. Let me invite you to stand together. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, our Father, we do come before thee today uh, acknowledging thy greatness and thy holiness. We do ask that you would help us to be uh, privately uh, those who pray daily, who are constant in prayer, and also those who are committed to corporate prayer, uh, gathering uh, with the saints and joining our prayers together before thee. Uh, You are a great God. You are worthy of our praise. To you belongs all glory. And so hear our prayers. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.